Welcome to the British American Football Coaches Association podcast, a resource designed to support both British football coaches and coaches from around the world. This podcast features special guests discussing techniques, scheme, philosophies and culture for the sport of American football to help develop and grow the game worldwide. Now here's your host, Adam Lillis. Hello and welcome to the Backer Coaching Podcast. Today we're joined by Coach Brett Arkillian from Marshall University. He's going to be talking to us about specialist coaching such as kickers, punters, holders and long snappers. This is a really great episode and I'm looking forward to sharing the knowledge with you guys today. Uh, so let's listen in to Coach Brett Arkillian. Hello and welcome to the Backer Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Adam Lillis. I'm delighted to be joined today by the Special Teams Quality Control Coach of the Marshall University Thundering Herd, Coach Brett Arkillian. Coach, how are you doing today? Uh, fantastic, Coach. I appreciate you taking the time to uh, sit down and talk some ball with me today. Absolutely. Um, this is obviously a difficult time with everyone around the world, but some positives from it has been able to do things like this podcast and share some knowledge with coaches from around the world. So like once again, I appreciate you taking time to, to dial in. So today we're talking about a topic that I'm really excited to talk about, which is the coaching of specialists such as kickers and long snappers and things like that. Um, before we get into all of that type of things, why don't you give the listeners an introduction to yourself uh, in case they don't know who you are, how you got into football, your coaching career up to date and how you ended up at Marshall University. Oh, no doubt. And before we even get into that, I do have to say for my British, you guys British followers out here, I love Shakespeare. Okay. I love the Premier League. I'm just not very big on those breakfasts you guys have there. Right? The beans and tomatoes are not really my favorite. However, <laughs> I do eat peanut butter and jelly breakfast or sandwiches for breakfast every day. So I don't know what I know. But also, one thing I'd like to plug for you, man, I, I really enjoyed those uh, podcasts that you did with Coach McMillan from Florida State and the Washington Redskins coach Ken Zampes. Am I saying that right? Zampese, yep. Yeah, man, those are great podcasts. If you guys haven't listened to that yet, definitely go back. You did a great job on there, Coach Lewis. Appreciate it, Coach. Yeah, so I grew up, I mean, loving sports, especially football. I mean, every Sunday, my dad and I and my little brother, we go out and we just play for hours at the park. Uh, you know, I used to have helmets little toy helmets around the house where I'd organize games and be the announcer. Welcome to Sunday night football. We have the Jacksonville Jaguars, the New Orleans Saints. Rick and wins. He could go. Oh, anyway, those are like my pre, you know, video games uh, before all that. And when I was playing, I was never the biggest or the strongest or the most athletic. So I really had to rely on my hard work and really researching my, you know, the newest kicking techniques. I'd just be on YouTube watching videos, trying to teach myself how to kick. I had a few kicking coaches too. Um, but when I finished playing at UT Martin in the spring of 2018, I was able to GA and I worked with the specialist. Uh, worked with Brian Courtright, who's featured in the book. He ended up becoming a Phil Steele all-conference kicker. And uh, I really fell in love with the coaching side. To be honest, the whole reason I played college football was because I knew I wanted to become a coach. So the higher I went, the better my credentials would look. And I remember in high school watching uh, special teams units and just thinking about how much more aggressive 
we could be to change the game. In my opinion, that's what special teams is all about. It's a chance to exploit another team's weakness. And I felt like some coaches didn't realize the worth of this unit. So I loved everything about special teams. And now that's what I always wanted to work with. So after GAing, I uh, coached two years at a high school outside of Nashville while working as a professional kicking coach. I even hosted a camp in Nashville. I was working with Brian Jackson and Chris Hughesby, who do a phenomenal job, by the way. And they even have their own kicking podcast, which is really good. It's called The Fourth Down Experience, if you guys want to check that out. That's a good resource. Um, in the springtime, uh, ever since I finished playing football, I would hit up college coaches uh, throughout the South and just pick their brains and talk ball with them. I was able to go to six different SEC schools and a lot of different great programs that led to me getting interviews or inquiries about my book. And I was doing that this spring when I contacted Coach Jordan Hankins, who was an outstanding special teams coordinator and was also a defensive coordinator at UT Martin. He'd just taken the job at Marshall uh, University. And I was planning to just sit down with Hankins and pick his brain. I was around him at UT Martin. Uh, he's such a great special teams mind. After we planned our talk, he called me and he said, you know, we have this opportunity open. Would you be interested? And when I found out I had the chance to work with him, I mean, I jumped at the opportunity. And I mean, also Marshall's historic university. Uh, personally, We Are Marshall is one of my favorite childhood movies because it's all about college football. And I've always loved everything with college football. And it's a, such a great staff. You got Coach Doc Holliday, who's been there for the last you know, 12 years. All he's done is win. He's done a great job with the kids. Uh, Kyle Siegler also works there with special teams. He was a 35 for 35 AFCA coach, which is a huge honor. And, and there's countless other except, exceptional coaches on the staff. So, you know, it's really just been a blessing to be a part of it. That's fantastic. And you, you named up to a few coaches there that you've either played under or worked with since you've uh, started your coaching career. What are some of the influences they've had on you as a coach and how has that developed you, your coaching style now going forward? Yeah, well, definitely all those coaches I've mentioned before uh, in kicking and special teams, you know, influence me and, and you know, I love to be very, uh, you know, aggressive and multiple uh, in our formations. But, you know, I'll talk about a few more later, like Shane Graham or uh, David Akers. We were just absolute kicking experts and the best in the business. Um, but like I stated before, I think so much good can come from being aggressive. As like an ex-punter or kicker, being aggressive can really rattle, you know, a young or unproven specialist, no matter what position, even if it's a long snapper. Uh, even if you have a mentally strong punter, the sheer fact of a punter thinking his own shield is going to get shoved into him, that's going to affect his punt. Case in point, after I played at a junior college in Fresno, California, I went to Lincoln University, which is the first degree granting HBCU in the United States, shout out to LU. Uh, my sophomore year, I had one of the best seasons I'd ever had in my career. About three-fourths of the way through the season, I was averaging 43 yards a punt. I had a 90% field goal percentage and had the longest punt in school history. Uh, and I had a great – the reason was I had a great special teams unit around me. Uh, however – we didn't have the best protection that season. And I saw a ton of pressure. 
I felt like I'd become immune to that pressure until we played Elizabeth City State with about three games left in the season. In that game, I had multiple injuries suffered in my ankle due to guys diving in to block the punt or blowing through our shield. At one point, I thought I'd actually fractured. I actually got hit so hard, it knocked the earrings right out of my ears, my right ear. I was in the end zone looking for them. I felt like I was like Velma from Scooby-Doo looking for my glasses. Um, they were fake, though, so it was okay. Anyway, but I, I played through those ankle injuries, and by the end of the season, I couldn't walk on that ankle for a month. I had to get an x-ray. So even though I was mentally strong, uh, I had to focus on blocking out those negative thoughts that that would happen again. And I'd be lying to say to you if it wasn't on the back of my mind. So pressure on a specialist can definitely change the game, just like pressure in a quarterback's face can alter his accuracy. Um, that being said, you, know, you really have to base your special team's philosophy around the players that you have. Uh, like Coach McMillan, who's on your podcast, you know, and he was talking about um, – he's a fantastic special teams coach, by the way. He had uh, one of the best punt returners in the nation, Terry Williams. So he had to build his whole punt return team around Terry. And being – they turned into a all-out return team instead of a block team. And they ended up having one of the best punt return teams in the nation. So it really depends on the pieces and, and what you have. Sure. Um, so one of the things that we're going to talk about today, and we're going to give you an opportunity to talk about it towards the end of the podcast, is this book that you've, you've written. And um, it's just uh, recently become available. I've got a copy, and I think it's great. It's called The, the Kicker's Bible, which is essentially uh, a breakdown of how to effectively coach kickers, punters, long snappers, holders, and uh, other areas of special teams. Um, you've already touched on the importance of special teams and I think you talk to 99% of coaches they will always say you know special teams is as important as offense and defense but what's been your experience in the sense of coaching the specialists and how much time is taken to coach them because just to give you some context about the game over here in the UK it's quite uncommon for teams to have a specialist kicker a few teams do but the vast majority of teams the guy who's the kicker will also play linebacker or receiver or offensive line or something. Just He'll just happen to be the best kicker on the team. So when you factor that into practice, it's quite difficult to find the time to dedicate kicking practice to them unless it's in the off-season. And I was actually quite surprised in some of the experiences I've had in America. It's quite similar. You just kind of let the specialists, even though they don't play offense or defense, you just leave them to own devices. Um, give them time to rep, and then once you're off into defensive practicing, they're kind of uh, by the wayside a bit. So I'd just be interested to hear your take on your experience as a player and now as a coach about how much time really a program should be investing in their, in their specialists and how they factor that into practice time. Oh, 100%. I mean, you really hit on the dot with, you know, how teams are, you know, it's kind of an afterthought. And look, don't get me wrong, I mean, linebackers, wide receiver, all those other positions are extremely important, right? They're on the field the majority of the time. But, shoot, we can talk about the NFL. I mean, you got maybe four or five guys that were ex-specialists or really just focused on specialists right now in, as coaches. Like, that's, that's all you have. Now you have phenomenal special teams coaches 
that have been around specialists for 20, 30 plus years. So they know a great deal. Don't get me wrong, but you know, it's, it's really an overlooked uh, aspect of the game. Now let's get this straight. Your specialist is the quarterback of your special teams. I know we keep going back to punters, but think about this. Okay? You can have a fantastic scheme. You have the most well-coached front line on your punt. You have a great shield cover guys that just freaking fly down the field. Okay? But if your punter has horrible fundamentals and he's not mentally strong, then you're going to average 38 yards a punt and you're going to be last in the conference in net. And, you know, just like you coach that front line well on punt, you have to coach specialists well. It's the same thing for kickoffs. We can talk about kickoff coverage. You could have dudes that freaking fly around the field knocking people's heads off, but it doesn't mean a dang thing if your kicker is dropping his kickoffs in the middle of the field at the 10-yard line. So I think uh, – you know, coaching specialists has been overlooked. It's, don't get me wrong, it's slowly changing, okay? But even in the United States, uh, that's been a slow process. And that's my goal, really, is just fighting the misconceptions about specialists in coaching and, and coaching the right way. You know, I want to have guys with great character um, that, you know, I want to give them the facts. And uh, I want them to, you know, learn the, the, the details, the fundamentals that I didn't have uh, when I was playing, um, just like uh, Ray's coach, Randy Brown, who's arguably coach of one of the best collection of specialists ever assembled, okay? Justin Tucker, Sam Cook, and Morgan Cox. He said this on the fourth down podcast. He's like a caddy in golf, all right? He's not there to teach them how to kick. He's there to make sure they have the same starting point, the same contact and plant spot, the same ball through. He's there to tell them how the weather is affecting their balls and what adjustment they need to make. And personally, I know what I can do uh, is connect with that specialist mentality and give him techniques to make him more resilient uh, or give him specific workouts that increases his explosiveness. Uh, but at the end of the day, I'm there for moral support and build their confidence. So I think it's very important. Um, there's just not a lot of guys that know a whole lot, and that's okay. I think it's slowly changing, and hopefully uh, we can change that. Absolutely. And again, just from, from my perspective, coaching over here in the UK, and it, it might be similar to uh, other countries in Europe, but I wouldn't say there's necessarily a huge amount of resource out there in terms of how to teach people effectively how to kick an American football or punt or um, hold and things like that. So I definitely recommend people reaching out to you and uh, getting hold of your kicker's Bible because I've, I've had a read through it and I'm, I'm not someone that's, you know, a specialist coach. I haven't had a huge amount of experience of coaching this area of the game, but I'm reading this and it's very detailed. It's very nuanced, but it's, I think it's written in a way that's quite accessible for someone that isn't naturally uh, have an affinity to kicking. So um, we're going to talk about that a bit later on, but what I'd like to ask you is a few questions about some of the specialist positions from the, um, with the context of bringing a player in that might have some natural leg power or, you know, uh, an affinity to kicking, but hasn't played American football before, hasn't kicked an American football before. Um, and I think it would be great to start with uh, the punter because you obviously punted yourself. My personal opinion is that the punt unit is the most important unit on special teams. And 
long-winded, but the first question I'd like to ask you is, if I presented you with a couple of athletes who had some natural talent to kick a ball um, and we were going to teach them how to punt, what are some of the first things you're going to work with them on? Um, and then perhaps you could uh, guide us through how you then try and develop them into a, a very well-adept punter. Well, definitely. I mean, so my brother played uh, soccer. He was he was the athlete of the family. He was an all-state soccer player, and he played at Cal State Los Angeles, and they got so many great talent uh, from Europe. Um, and a lot of these guys were these big, beautiful, you know, well-built guys that were playing soccer. And I was thinking, man, just imagine if they were specialists, you know, imagine if they were kickers. And I actually went through with my brother. He was trying to make that transition from soccer to football and kicking. Um, so I kind of went back to him and I was like, you know, what did we do uh, when we were trying to make that adjustment? To me, punters, all right, it starts with the hands. Okay, you have to develop very good hands, whether you're working on a jugs machine every day or working with a coach, just throwing underhand snaps as hard as you can from seven yards. You got to have great hands because it starts out the whole process of the punt. Okay, you're catching the ball in front of your body. Right, the better your hands are, the better you are at getting the ball to your drop spot, and the less movement, the better because you can quicken your steps and you already have that ball out and ready to hit. Okay, in the book. All right, in the kicker's Bible, I have the Ten Commandments of Punting, and they are stance, hands, body alignment, steps, eyes, grip, drop, leg swing, contact point, and fall through. And I'll just briefly fly through each one. Uh, okay, for our stance, I always say NKT. What's NKT? Nipples over knees over toes. Okay, we discussed hands catching the ball with our, our arms extended out in front. Okay, body alignment. We need our shoulders in front of our hips. If you let your hips get in front of your body, all right, that's when your steps get long, you lose your power. Okay, steps is something that every punter will struggle with starting out. Okay, put your guy on a line. All right, if I'm starting out with a punter, I'm gonna put him on a line going across the field. It could be, you know, whatever, a, a soccer, like a, a half line. Um, and he's just going to walk that line, left foot, save his right foot is the kicking foot, the punting foot, put that left foot against that line and have him just walk straight forward. All right, then we're going to give him a ball. We're going to have him drop right outside that right hip. But he's still just taking two steps and making sure that left foot never crosses the line. Okay, but we got to understand our natural gait. All right, get up and walk straight forward. Notice, even if your feet start out shoulder width apart, they're going to come together as you walk. And that's fine, okay? But you can't let your left foot, which is your plant foot or your non-kicking foot in this situation, cross over to the right because that's going to create problems with everything, but especially your leg swing, okay? For so many young or inexperienced punters, especially in the United States, the one thing that uh, PKA, uh, Australia's uh, kicking – uh, training does very well. It's like they get good with their steps. Right? There's so many young guys, even in the United States, that their steps are all over the place. And that's something that I think really needs to be focused on and fixed. After you get the steps, all right, now we're talking about your eyes. Your eyes need to be focused on the back tip of the football. When you catch the ball out in front, your eyes will go to that inside nipple or the valve of the ball. Sometimes it might be the eye in Adidas or Wilson on that ball. You're going to take that spot 
you're gonna go directly underneath that inside panel. That's your aiming point or your sweet spot. That's where you wanna hit the ball. Now for grip, every punter is different, okay? But the way I've always coached it is to place the ball flat on the table, okay? If you're a right foot punter, have your right thumb about halfway up the left panel at about 10 o'clock, your right pointing finger at about one, 130, okay? And then your middle finger at about three on the right seam, okay? Um, make sure that your other two fingers are underneath the ball on that right bottom panel, okay? And you're gonna slightly rotate that ball so the laces are now pointing at one o'clock, say, and they were just at 12. All right, and that's gonna show you more of the sweet spot in that bottom inside panel. You want this drop to be out in front of you, okay? With a slight bend in your elbow, but it's aligned with that right hip. It's right off that right hip. And that's because when you strike this ball, all right, it should fit like a puzzle piece on the outside part of your cleat. So if the laces are in the middle, that left panel should fit on the outside part of your cleat. All right. And, you know, you, when you release the ball, okay, release, a lot of punters will, the common error is throw the ball out, right? Throw it out in front of you. Release those fingers as if you're just going to drop it straight down and then bring your hand right back down to your hip. Now, about the leg swing, all right, something I got from Greg Montgomery, who was an all-pro with the Oilers in 1994. It should be set, knee, snap. What I mean by that is setting your leg back at a 90-degree angle, so that's like your back swing. Then as you bring that knee upwards, you're going to try to take that knee and knee yourself in the chest, all right, pass the ball in that swing zone and knee yourself in the chest. Then that knee... We'll, we'll pass the ball and then your foot will snap forward upward creating a whiplash motion that's your explosion right that gives you your power uh, so another common problem for punters like i talked about before is their steps all right crossing over okay so now if your steps are crossing over your left foot's coming in front of your right foot they're going to swing around the ball instead of hitting that inside panel they're going to hit the outside and that right foot's gonna fall through to the left side of the body. We want everything in punting, kicking, whatever we do to be linear, okay? We wanna take that right foot and go right up to that right ear. But as I said before, uh, with the contact point, it's that inside bottom panel, fit on your foot. Now, the last thing is really about fall through. And David Akers, who you know, played for the Eagles for the longest time, just an all out pro. Uh, he talks about how great Pat McAfee, who's a, a punter, the Colts, was at punting and then finishing and falling through. He said Pat would punt and then get five yards down the field because he was falling through to his target. A common error is punters hit the ball and they fall backward. We want to hit the ball and then explode down the field. After you punt, you're going to be slightly, you're going to fly up off your plant foot or your left foot. That allows your right foot to go up to your right ear and then you're gonna continue down the field in that direction. I know that's a ton, but that's your beginner's guide to punting. Hope I didn't lose you there. No, that's perfect, Coach. And like you say, you've just gone through some of the areas of the book, and, and as I alluded to earlier, there's a lot of nuances that you go into a lot more detail in the, in the, in the book itself. Um, one of the chapters you've got here is uh, common problems with punting, you, you're obviously referring to them already, which I think is great. The one that stands out to me, which I think is a common 
issue over here in the UK because of our soccer background is the lobbying of the football. So we hope in soccer, we're just so used to having the ball, throwing it out in front of us and kicking. And obviously that's something that throws your timing out, out of whack in, in a punt game. Are there some, some things that you can uh, suggest to coaches that can work around that and just get used to extending and dropping? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you could do drops from your knee, right? Where you're just working on that release aspect. Um, Part of it, too, is having quiet feet. I think if you have these big, choppy steps, okay, and you're lunging at the ball, then your your drop is going to be lobbed out in front of you. The less movement we can have with our head, the better. So we want to be uh, not on the, your toes, but on the middle of your feet and just work on every day. Uh, for, it's Bradley Pinion, who I believe is now with the Buccaneers. He says at the start – of his workout, he drops 150 to 200 balls a day. I used to tell that to my guys and they would roll their eyes and be sick, but that's what it takes to, to play at the highest level. You gotta get consistent at just releasing that ball. Uh, always tell them like you're, you're dropping the ball off a table and then bringing that hand straight back down to your hip. It's, you know, it creates a problem when you release upward and you kind of lob the ball up. So yeah, there's a, there's a ton of different drills uh, in the book, but I would really just say getting on a line, just getting consistent at releasing and taking your steps at full speed. Absolutely. That's great, Coach. Uh, let's move on to another critical part of the punt game, which is our long snappers. And obviously, it's such a unique skill to try and introduce to someone that's never played the game before, uh, let alone trying to develop it into someone who becomes an expert in it. Maybe in the same way that you've talked about Punters, could you perhaps give us some of the, the key coaching points of how you would introduce long snapping to someone and some of the things that a coach should be focusing on when coaching people? Yeah, absolutely. I have a, a lot of good coaches focused for long snapping. And to me, coach, long snapping is, is my passion. It's like one of the things that I, you know, I kicked, I punted, I held the kickoffs. I didn't long snap. So that's really been something I love learning about and love talking about too. Um, with everything you do as a specialist, you need a routine. And the reason is specifically for beginners, you want that routine. So you get in the habit of doing things the right way. Okay. So for long snappers, we're going to place the ball down and address it and addressing the ball, setting the ball down, taking a few steps back, and then you're going to create a balanced base. It all starts with your base. Okay. And they can do that by taking your cleats together, spreading your legs out evenly to make sure that ball is right in the middle aligned with your, your pecker there, okay? And you have a nice balanced base. You're gonna sit down so that your hamstrings are parallel to the ground, arms resting on your quads, your elbows resting on your quads. Now we're gonna talk about grip, okay? As I said before, and it's with all these specialist things, right? There's not one real co correct way to do things. There's a general guide, and that's my goal is to give you a general guide, but there's not one correct way to do things. However, you want to grip the ball with your throwing hand, okay? Like you would throw a ball overhand. Um, let's say it's your right hand. Grip it just like you would throw it overhand, uh, right on the laces. Your left hand or your guide hand is going to be placed on the belly of the football away from the laces. Now, a lot of guys like to take that middle finger, excuse me, and put it on the middle seam, or they like to put it a little bit to the inside, but it's totally up to the long snapper. It's really whatever feels good to him. 
Okay, so now that right hand, that dominant hand, now that we know where it's going to be, it's going to be slightly turned, uh, cocked or coiled around the ball in order to give you that spiral. Okay, now with your arms, okay, arms, do not want the ball directly on your head. You're going to lose that explosive whip motion. You want them extended out in front of you. Okay, slight bend in your elbow, uh, with the ball slightly tilted upwards in the turf uh, in order to tuck and release that ball directly at your aiming point. So it's in front of you now, all right? Now your rear end should be pointing directly at the direction you want to snap. Your aiming point is the punter's punting hip. We'll just say it's the right hip, keep things simple, okay? So as you're looking at your aiming point between your legs, you're thinking aim small, miss small. Anything you do as a specialist, aim small, miss small, put that ball right on his hip. Okay, a common error for the coaches, right? Long snappers, may have when they're getting set is looking at the punter and fidgeting with the ball. Okay. You don't want to do that. Other teams are going to start to notice that you're moving your hands and then you stop and then you snap uh, when you're fidgeting with the ball. So we want to not give off any tips, right? That's something we watch for in film all the time as a coach is let's see if the long snapper is playing with the ball, fidgeting the ball so we can get a jump on that snap. Uh, before you snap the ball, you're going to peek back, see your target, and then pick your head up. Okay, professional long snappers, they can snap without looking. Some can. Uh, for a beginner, I always teach, let's look, all right? Let's look when we snap. Make sure we tuck our chin, activate our core, and snap, okay? As you start your snap, your head's going to be the, become the first thing that comes between your legs, okay? So you picked your head, you checked at your aiming point, you picked your head up, now I'm ready to snap. I tuck my chin. My head's the first thing that comes through my legs. Okay, Tuck my, twin, uh, my chin as I simultaneously lift the ball up slightly and snap backwards at the same time. Now, as you're doing this, you should be activating your core. We don't want our body to raise straight up. Okay, We want to take that power and momentum and go straight back, horizontally, back at the punter not vertically upward. Okay? Your elbows should be closer together as they come between your thighs, okay? So I'm tucking my chin, my elbows are coming through my thighs. The tighter the elbows, the more whip you create, the tighter the spiral. As your hands are starting to go through your legs, you wanna extend them as far as you can directly at that punter's head, okay? On your fall through, your hands should come together with a thumbs up. Uh, Bobby Daggett, who was a long snapper with me at UT Martin and at Ole Miss, used to say he would imagine his hands were no longer connected to his body. Okay? He'd throw them directly at the long snapper. Uh, I've heard trying to snap the ball uh, through the punter's leg. So if he wasn't there, the ball would keep going on the line for 20 yards. These are different mental visualizations that long snappers use. Okay? Now, as you fall through, your hands should be forming a, a shotgun barrel. Okay? With your arm or your thumbs pointing straight up and your arms directly pointing back at your punter. The thumbs together, that's gonna to give you your spiral. That fall through together is gonna to give you a spiral. Okay. Your eyes should be staring down the line of that sight. Okay. Created by your arms and your hands pointing at your target. Now Ty Fricks, who was a long snapper at Georgia, has a very good book. I suggest you guys check out on long snapping. And he talks about the most important part of the snap is the fall through. And the goal of follow through is to get the shoulders through their legs as far as possible at your target. 
All right, so I got my hands extended on my follow through, my thumbs are up, and I'm trying to get my shoulders through my legs, taking everything I can in my body to get straight back at the, at the punter, okay? For your legs, okay, I want them to scrape backward and lock out as I snap. Now this is gonna incorporate your hips and your core in the snap and give you more power. It's a full body movement. Now, if you're struggling with this, especially with using your legs, I have some great drills in my book too. And one is really just grabbing your chest and just working on the legs part of the snap called the scrape. So that's a brief, long snapping intro there for you. That's fantastic, Coach. And um, everything you've just gone through there was from the perspective of snapping to a punter, which is obviously different to snapping to a field goal. But in terms of the technique, is there anything different that they should be doing uh, with the field goal snap? Or is it very much... Uh, the very same principles for punting? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So field goal is a little bit different because it's mainly just your hands. You're at about seven to eight yards, right? And you're really just – speed is not as big of a deal. We really want to place that ball on that holder's back. Now, I won't get too far into it, but your feet are a little bit wider, okay, um, maybe a few inches, uh, and you're really just throwing your hands. Now, it's the long snapper's job on field goal, especially at the highest levels, to get those laces out. Okay, Yes, the holder's going to help with that. And I know that's something we'll talk about here briefly. But the goal, the whole goal is that he gets the laces out away from the kicker um, on contact. So you're really just throwing your hands. It's just shooting your hands straight back at your target, a little bit wider base. Sure. And that's a nice segue to now talk about field goals and PAT. So with your kickers over here in the UK, like I alluded to earlier, we get a lot of natural kickers from playing soccer or even rugby, trying to kick the, uh, the rugby ball through the, through the goalposts. But a common theme that I've found personally is that consistency of, you know, I can do it once and everyone looks really impressed, but then they will miss the next seven out of 10, for example. So Perhaps you could just give us the same rundown in how you coach your field goal kickers and how you can sort of encourage that consistency in their, their approach. Oh, yeah. that's It's funny you say that because it's like, you know, you go out to a, a team and everyone wants to kick, right? And everyone can make a 40, 45-yard field goal, uh, but do it more than twice out of 10 times, you know. It gets harder, all right? And we talk about the NFL. These guys are out here, I mean, besides last season, normally averaging about 80, 85%. That's they almost make every kick they take. Okay. So, yeah. And you know what? A lot of that, and especially working with my brother again, he had a very, uh, you know, swing around his body. Swing is really just getting that forward momentum down the field and staying linear. Now, look, like I said before, there's no one way to coach a specialist. All right. This is case by case. But just like golf, okay, you have different swings, but there's general fundamentals you can refer back to. Now, I'd love to get super deep with you here. Uh, we can talk body alignments, contact points, breathing methods, visualizations. But the easiest thing we can do is just get lined up correctly. Okay? And even you know, at the highest levels, people take getting lined up for granted, and they have careless methods on how they take their steps back and over. This is so important. Okay? Three inches to the left or three inches to the right, and you miss the kick. And I just tweeted about this yesterday, okay? Uh, so you must understand, if you're, not being, if you're not mentally strong, being a kicker is a very tough job. It's very distractible because you go out there, you know, two to three times a game, 
uh, for a field goal and maybe a few PATs and that's it. Uh, so you will feel the pressure and you will feel, you know, especially if you're a newcomer, you'll, you'll feel the spotlight on you every time you go out there. Now, one of those influences I talked about earlier, uh, NFL veteran and now University of Florida special teams coach Shane Graham says, you have to fall in love with the process. And the process is this. It's your whole approach and step before you even strike the ball. It's taking your steps back, taking your steps over, going out into the field. You're so involved with that. You don't hear or see any of those distractions. Okay, so let's start with our kicking foot. All right, for this example, it's your right foot. We're going to put it directly behind the ball with your toe at the very top of your toe. Uh, that's going to mark the spot where you start your steps. Your holder will put his hand down, his finger down. Okay, your plant foot, okay, is going to be that left foot and it's going to be a little bit farther up. Normally, my instep, okay, the middle of my foot is aligned with the ball, but my right foot is slightly back. Now you're going to take those three steps back, starting with your kicking foot. Now, boom, coaches, common, common air here, right? These kickers start lunging. They start taking these huge, I need big steps. I need big steps to get through the ball. No, okay? We don't want to do this. The bigger the steps are, the more room there is for inconsistencies. Take normal size steps, right? The reason we take normal size steps is because in a game, you know, you're going to be rushing or you might feel the pressure a little bit. And uh, those steps might get longer. You want to have consistent steps every time. After you take those three steps back, you're going to stop with both feet next to each other. And then you're going to take that plant foot, which is your left foot here, and lean back. And the reason we're doing this is making sure that kicking foot is in line with the ball, is in line with the middle of the goalpost. Okay. At this point, visually, I'm a kicker, right? I'm trying to, I'm visual, I'm seeing myself bury the ball over the top middle part of the goalpost, right down the middle, aim small, miss small, okay? Now, I'm gonna come back together with both feet. I'm gonna take two steps over to the left. Now, if you're a beginning kicker starting out, I'd advise you, hold that left arm, left arm out, okay? This gives you that 90 degree angle we must keep, okay? We gotta be linear in everything that we do. Now. When you get more experienced, do you need to be out there holding your hand to take your steps over? Of course not, okay? But with a less experienced kicker, that helps give them that visualization of the angle. I'm a visual learner, okay? So this always helped me, okay? You've taken those two steps over now. Now you're gonna make sure both your toes are pointing directly at your plant foot, all right? Which will be about a foot of the way from the ball. Backtrack real quick before you even line up, okay? If this helps you, you can put a piece of tape down at practice, which gives you a visual of where you want your plant foot to be. Now, your plant foot is normally about a foot of the way, uh, a foot, foot away from the ball, okay? And you can take your kicking foot and just put it widthwise, right, or laterally, and kind of measure it and then put that piece of tape down. Now you know where your aiming point is, okay? So now we're back in our stance, all right? We've already taken our three back, two over, okay? As a coach, one of the best things you can do, you don't have to know anything about kicking, but you can make sure your specialist is taking the correct steps each time, okay? Make them take their steps 10 times over, okay? Over and back, put a piece of tape down. Uh, take their two steps over, put a piece of tape down. Put a piece of tape down where their contact point will be. That way they can take those steps, and shoot, I know from, from taking my own steps, right? Some days I'll be off. I'll be off a little bit, so I need to, you know, 
figure out what I'm doing wrong, maybe move up a little bit on my starting stance in order to be in the same spot every time. Okay. Now, for your approach, right? Stance and approach. It depends on what you're comfortable to. We talked about NKT, nipples over knees over toes, something transferable that you can use in punting and field goals, right? Athletic position, you're ready to attack the ball. If you're not too aggressive that you have your weight in your toes, you're falling forward, right? You want to be balanced, okay? Have the weight in the middle of your feet, okay? Place kicker is going to take a peek at the goalpost one more time, visualize success, then you're going to look down at the holder in a spot, take a deep breath, and give him a nod. A lot of place kickers have a visual cue or a mental cue. I'm not going to get too far into that. Um, David Akers was get down the field. For me, it was lock my ankle out. All right, I want to strike that ball with a solid locked out ankle. Uh, before you even start your approach, your eyes are going to be locked onto where that ball will be, which is where the holder's hand is, that back hand. Once the holder puts the ball down, the sweet spot of the ball is about a third of the way up. Normally, it's in line with that stripe on most of the balls on the inside panel. That's what your eyes are going to stay on. Now, I always taught a three-step approach to the ball, which is a jab and then one-two. And a jab is with that left foot, and it's really just a pick-up, put-down. It starts your momentum towards the ball. Okay. So when we talked about David, right, it was the, had the record, NFL record for most field goals in a season. He talks about keeping your hips on railroad tracks to your plant foot. That means keep those hips and your pelvis square and pointed at your plant foot. Uh, what a lot of kickers will do on their second step or their drive step is their foot, their kicking foot, will start to turn outwards towards the right sideline, which causes that right hip to point out the right sideline. Okay? And as David said, you want to strike the ball and fall through directly at your target. Those soccer players, right, they have such a problem swinging around the ball like they're trying to curve it around a wall. No, we want to go straight on a line right to our target because that gives you the most consistent swing power and accuracy, all right? And on your approach, you don't want to be on your toes, but on the middle of your feet. Take your jab, all right? Then drive, take your uh, drive step, all right? With your uh, pointed directly at your plant foot and strike that sweet spot of the ball. Now, we, we also have to understand too, you want to hit a 55 yard field goal, just like a PAT. Use that same leg strength, and leg speed every time so you're not changing anything up. We want to crush every ball we hit. And your ankle should be locked down and out and slowly rolled forward with plantar flexion, all right? Kind of like a ball ballerina, all right? Your sweet spot on your foot is that metatarsal bone, which is a big bone on the inside of your foot. If you're looking at your soccer cleat or at the middle of the laces, it's a slightly inside uh, those middle of the laces a little bit pretty far up on your foot. Now stop me, coach, I'm losing you here, okay? Um, but one of the biggest problems was keeping my ankle locked out uh, before and throughout the kick. Think of it, uh, you hitting the football like with a wet pool noodle or a sledgehammer. Okay, do you hit the ball with a limp noodle, is the ball gonna go anywhere? No, okay, that's your ankle not locked out. Now if you hit the ball with a locked out ankle, which is a very hard surface, like a sledgehammer. It allows the ball to compress and go out of the freaking stadium, right? And that's what we want to do when we make contact, is keep it locked out before and after the kick with that uh, toe pointed down uh, as if you're driving a car, okay? 
then it's really back to David's railroad theory. And like I said, kickers tend to swing around the ball. We want to follow through directly at our target, right? You're going to skip after you strike the ball. You're going to skip onto your plant foot and then slowly bring your eyes up. I had a kicking coach named Walter Hicks. He would say, kick one, two, kick one, two. After two, I could finally bring my eyes up. But that whole time, I wanted my eyes trained on the back of that football, the sweet spot. Um, and then just a little housekeeping when you have a directional field goal, right, or a field goal from the hash, you want to keep a 90 degree angle when you go back and over, all right, when you take those steps back and over. So at, even though I'm from the left hash, I, when I line up and I take my steps back, I want to make sure that kicking foot, the ball, and the goalposts are all lined up straight. So that's field goals for you. That's great, coach. And, um, loads of great information there and and even then you're still only skimming the surface of some of the information oh, no. you've got in your book um we're going to start wrapping up now but one final question that's close to my heart as a former quarterback and receiver i used to love holding the holding the ball on our field goals so um perhaps you could just give us maybe one or two top tips that you give holders uh, over here in terms of their stance or or their hands and things like that just to wrap this up Oh, no doubt. It's funny you say that, too. It's like I didn't hold until really my senior year. But, man, that was another skill that I loved learning and, and really worked on it just like I was playing any other position. So I love holding, too. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great points. But really, the stance, you know, you're just going to have that inside knee down, that uh, your your backhand in line with that, that your back leg. Um, and really, uh, you want to catch the ball out in front. And just make sure you're hitting your spot. You know, that's the biggest thing for, for kickers, especially uh, kickers starting out. Make sure you're hitting the spot and you're not tilting the ball the wrong way. We want a slight tilt forward and towards you because it gives the place kicker a bigger sweet spot to strike. Uh, and just understand the how, how the laces affect the ball. The one thing I will say about laces, uh, and David talked about this on the 4th Down podcast, and it's really insightful. If the laces are facing the kicker, that's fine. Don't, just leave them. And people are going to say, well, you can't give a lace of the kick because that's how he misses the kick. It allows you to have good rotation on the ball. Now, you will not be able to compress the ball as hard as you would, but don't freak out. As long as you're not hitting a 55-yard field goal, that rotation, that spin is still going to be tried and true. It's just not going to go as far now. If the, the laces are facing 3 o'clock or the laces are facing 9 o'clock, now you're going to get these different spins, all right, and it's going to make that ball tail off in different directions. So that's one thing I would tell holders to understand is, is the effect on the laces and just hit your spot. William, thanks, Coach. We're going to start wrapping it up now. Um, one last thing before I let you go. Uh, I'd like to give the, the guests an opportunity to share their social media handles in case any listeners would like to reach out to you, but also give you an opportunity to promote your book and let us know how people can get hold of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Hey, I'm sorry that I uh, rambled talked your ear off, but man, I love talking about this stuff. It gets me, gets me fired up. But uh, yeah, the kicker's Bible just came out. You can find that icemankicking.com. Uh, there's a bunch of mini series too. It's, it's all encompassed into the one book, but uh, you know, there's uh, some, cheaper options there for you if you just want to learn about one uh you can find me shoot twitter instagram linkedin uh iceman kicking 
Iceman underscore kicking there. Um, and just, yeah, feel free to reach out to me, man. I love talking about this stuff and, uh, you know, gets me excited. So I really appreciate you, uh, Coach Lewis. Thank you, Coach. Um, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and share some of your knowledge. Uh, I'll let you get on, but best of luck for the 2020 season at Marshall and hopefully we'll get you over in the UK sometime soon. I would love that. I appreciate that. You have a great season too. Thank you again to Coach Arkillian for taking the time to talk to us at the Bafka Podcast. Tune in next time for another great episode. <laughs>